I don't, I don't have one of those cool things in the background, so I'm not as cool as Scott. Just imagine like a bunch of cool noises happening and, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, before I get started, uh, wait, today, this week was a fun week of trying to pick up what to talk about. Because I went through like five different sermons, all of them didn't stick. Uh, my last one I was going to do was on laziness. I was too lazy to finish it. But um, to, I guess this morning we're going to look at a lot about obedience. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles or your, your phones, I said foot phones, like you can't read a Bible on that thing. Uh, we'll be in Hosea. Uh, so if, it's, it's in the Old Testament. It's, you know, where the prophets are, you'll find it. It's a pretty small book, but it's pretty easy to find once you, you know, get around it. So we'll be in Hosea. But the one question I have for you is if you were to hear God clearly say to you today something to do, would you obey him? Would you say, yes, I'll do it? Or would you just say, no, I'm not comfortable with that to somebody else? So keep that in the back of your mind as we, you know, dig into the word, as we go through the life of Jose and what he did. Um, but for some of you students, hey, we did this already. They haven't. The recap time, you know. But um, Hosea was a prophet. Prophets were people that God had called to come and do something that they have, you know, they had a mission in, in mind. You know, you have like Isaiah, you know, God sent him on mission for 40-something years to, to preach in the land of Judah. Then he had Micah. Same time, he was sent to the land of Israel to, to proclaim the gospel. They did about the same amount of time around the same time. Same 40 years or so doing the same thing. Because at this point, um, Israel had split because they were very disobedient and they, they kept fighting with each other. They kept being, you know, they worshiped all these different idols and they, they were so hard-headed. And so God had sent all these prophets to kind of ring them back and to try and prod them and try and say, hey, this, go the right direction. So Hosea is kind of like the final straw. And you'll, you'll see why in a second because there's a lot of hard truths in, in Hosea. So we'll begin in verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah and of Jerusalem, and of Jeroboam, son of Jerosha, Jerohoash, and king of Israel. Names are really hard for me, sorry. Um, so at this point, verse 1, this is the first time God has ever talked to Hosea. First time ever. Hosea had never heard him before. This is the first time God said, hey, I want you to do something. He's, we'll see what he does in a, in a second. But this is the first time ever God said, hey, I want you to go and do something that wasn't really proclaiming the gospel. It wasn't really talking to people. It was more of an action than it was, you know, kind of a speaking thing. So we'll see in verse 2. It says, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to them. Go and marry a woman of pro- promiscuity and have children of promiscuity. For, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. So he's over here saying, hey, I want you to go marry a prostitute. And, you know, at this point, he didn't say if he does it or not. He, he, he was given this assignment, said go and marry a prostitute. And then probably in my mind, I was like, no, I'm good. Because in my mind, I, I think about, you know, I have in mind of, you know, I want to marry someone and have, you know, that I have my own plan in life, basically. I want to do certain things and 
for that to be abrupted and said, hey, I want you to go do something totally different than what you have planned, it's kind of hard to do, hard to do and hard to believe. But you see in verse 3 it says, So he went and married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. So it doesn't say how long it took him, how he did it. He just said he obeyed and he did it. He went and, he went and married Gomer, who was a prostitute. That's wild. That he was so obedient. For the first time ever hearing God, and God said, hey, I want you to go do this. And Hosea was like, you know what, you're right, I'll go do that. And he did it. And so think about what I asked you at the beginning. If God were to say something to you clearly right now, would you obey him? It may be wild like this or it may be simple. A lot of times we read in the scripture certain things that we should be doing, but are we really doing them? So that's kind of the mind process that I'm, I'm going through here. Uh, so we continue in verse 4. Um, this is the fun part because there's a lot of names. Have you ever researched what your names mean? You know, every name has a meaning and it's really cool to think about. So I wrote down some names. Um, my favorite was Scott's. He's, his name means the eternal wanderer. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, you have my, my buddy Avery. His, his is Elven King, which is wild. My buddy uh, Parker, his name is Keeper of Parks. Uh, Jamie, he's in the stream room. His name means supplanter. Dave's means beloved. Travis, yours is traverser. Gino's is noble. Hannah's is favor and grace. And then mine is magnificent. <laughs> it's nice, gnarly. So if you ever have a time, just go and research. And go, I just Googled na- blank meaning of name, and it was really cool that they have a bunch of different things that pop up when you, when you do that. So in this next section, one of the main things that Hosea gets to preach through is naming his kids certain things to, to preach to the land of Israel. Because they're being really hard-headed, they're being very blatant and very promiscuous against God. So you see in verse 4, Then the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu, and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So for those that don't know Jehu, in 1 Kings 10, I believe, there's a whole story where you know, Elijah, he gets to, to anoint Jehu. Jehu goes on a huge war path against, uh, against this queen and, his, and, and her, her husband, uh, Jezebel and Ahab. Yes. And so they, they go on this war path and you know, it's basically a whole military coup type thing. You know, where every time uh, the military comes to him, they kind of swap sides and follow Jehu, and they finally get, you know, he, he pulls the bow back and he kills the king, treats of the heart, it's wild. You know, if you ever want to just read a whole movie, second, First Kings, basically the entire thing is really cool. Um, but it gets to the Jezebel. Jezebel is like this, this queen who's brought in the, this whole worship of being a bell into Israel, and it's, she's corrupting everyone. And so, you know, a eunuch pushes her out the window, she falls, and she... She survives. No, she doesn't. Um, she, and then Jehu becomes the king. And so you see, this is after a while, uh, and the Jehu is the king, but it says here, the how, uh, but God will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Jehu. Something has happened where Jehu's kind of took a back step of letting God lead, and he kind of did his own thing. So this is where God's trying to reconvene and say, hey, figure out what's going to happen. So Jezreel is to remind everyone what happened with that bloodshed that Jehu did. Verse 5, on that day I will break the bow, the, the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel, 
6. She, con- she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said, said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I no longer have compassion with in the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away. Imagine naming your kid no compassion. Imagine being like a dad and say, Hey, no compassion, I love you. You know? But they named the, he named the second daughter Lo-Ruhamah. No compassion. So you have the remembrance of what happened with Jehu, then you have the no compassion that God is showing. Do you kind of get what picture was God's trying to put here? Israel's being very blatant and very promiscuous, very against what he wants them to be. And he's trying to nudge them a little bit by saying, hey, this, this. And we'll see the last name in a second. Verse 7, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. I will not deliver them by bow, sword, or war, or by horses or cavalry. Verse 8. After Gomer had weaned to Lorama, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Loami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. He means business. So Jehu, Jezreel, for the remembrance of Jehu, no compassion. Now you have you are, I will not, you are not my people, and you, I will not be your God. That's a really long name. But he's trying to, you know, push them in the right direction. Hey, guys, you are being so promiscuous. You're not even listening to my word anymore. You're over here worshiping Baal. You're worshiping all these different idols. You're not even worshiping me anymore. Judah, on the other hand, has been, they, have, they had all these people lined up who were, you know, worshiping God. They were doing all these things to try and break out, you know, not worshiping Baal anymore. But Israel, on the other hand, was being totally opposite from what Judah was doing. So Israel's just doing their own thing. They weren't doing the right thing. As we see in the, in the entire Old Testament, Israel is a mess. They do nothing but disobey, forget, and just struggle against what God wants them to do. Verse 10. You see a little, a little difference and what God's trying to say. Uh, Yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where they were told, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And all the Judeans and all the Israelites will be gathered together. They will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land. For the day of the Jezreel will be great and call your brothers my people and your sisters compassion. So as of right now, they are in a mess because they're not listening to God. They're not obeying God. They're, they're worshiping Baal. And God's just trying to say, hey, please, please, please stop that. You're not listening to me anymore. You're doing your own thing. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like me. I like to do my own thing. I like to listen to myself. I'm just like the Israelites. You know, I worship my phone all the time. Do you ever see how many hours you like just, I think when I was at worked at a different church, me and the student would see how many t- hours we'd have on YouTube, just a watching time. I had like 24 hours a, in, a, in a week. That's wild. That's like half, that's like a part-time job of just watching YouTube. We worship our phones. We worship ourselves. And so God's over here trying to say, stop that. I'm the most important. That's what I'm trying to say. He's trying to say, I'm not going to show compassion upon you. I want to 
He's trying to say, you are not my people, I'm not your God if you're going to keep doing this. But there's still grace there. He says, but there will be many of you and you will be loved. You will be my people. You will be great if you just simply obeyed. And you see in chapter 2, we won't read the entire chapter because it's, it's really long. But chapter 2 is basically a divorce that Gomer and Hosea go through. Because Gomer, the entire time they were married, she never stopped being a prostitute. She never stopped. She kept doing it. She kept, you know, going out. It doesn't really say if those children were, were, were Hosea's or not. They could have been, you know, people that she slept with. Because when they were married, she was gone almost every night. But at this point, in chapter 2, there's a divorce that happens. There's a heartbreak that happens. That Hosea had to, you know, almost like what God was trying to compel with, with Israel, that there was a divorce happening. There was a heartbreak happening. So the entire chapter 2 is just a divorce, a, a heart that's, that is broken. But it doesn't end there. In, ver- in chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters of all time all time in the Bible. Then the Lord said to, said to me, he's talking to Hosea, go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is called an adulteress, just as the Lord loves the Israelites through they, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. He's saying, go and find Gomer. Go and find her. And so in verse 2 it says, so I brought her so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I said to her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same way towards you. For the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or house, household idols. And afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come in all to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. That's the picture of the gospel. In verse 2, you see lostness. In chapter 2, you see lostness. You see brokenness. You see just God's heart being broken. But in verse 3, you see where there's a transaction made. Last last week, we got to experience Easter and experience that transaction, testelestai, happen. That it is finished means all the sins, past, present, and future, were bought with Jesus' blood. In verse, in verse 2, it says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. He bought her out of her prostitution. He brought her, bought her out of her sin. She no longer belongs to that anymore. She, she now belongs to Hosea. They, they are back together. She no longer has to go out every single night to try to make money. She no longer has to worry about trying to make those dues. She now doesn't have to worry about it anymore. She's been bought. Just like how we've been bought from, from our own sin. We don't belong to that anymore. We don't belong to that pornography. We don't belong to the sin. We don't belong to stealing. We don't belong to lying. I love the song, No Longer Slave to Fear, because we no longer are slaves to those things anymore because we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. So we're restored so we don't have to worry about chapter 2 anymore. We, no, or we are no longer divorced. We're no longer broken away from God. We are reconvened. We are with God again. That's something really cool to hold on to. Because a lot of us will forget 
tomorrow we'll forget, we'll start sinning again and again. So back to the first question. If you were to hear God today audibly, would you obey him? Would you listen to him? So that's my challenge today. When you read the word, are you going to listen to what it says? Do you believe what it says? Do you believe that you've been bought? A lot of us are still, you know, slaves to our own prostitution or slaves to our own, our own sins. As the band comes up, we'll just, I want us to think about that in, in this moment. Are we truly surrendered from our own sin? Do we have that, do, does, does sin have, still have a grasp on us? Or do we still, you know, do we still play with it every now and then? So today, there's two types of people in this room. People who are fully surrendered and people who are partially or none at all. Something I loved when we did the Monday, Thursday, we put all of our sins on, on the crosses and we, we showed a sign of surrender. Are we truly surrendering those things that we have in our lives today? Or are we holding on to them because that's what we really want to do? The Israelites did that. They were holding on to all their sins. They were holding on to all their idols. They are holding on to all the things that they wanted. Like today, are we going to hold on to our phones? Are we going to hold on to our own things? Are we going to hold on to this because this is, what, this is what makes us happy? This is what makes us comfortable? Let's not be like the Israelites who are being very blatant and just disobedient towards God. Let's, let us be obedient. So Father, as we come to this time of just repentance and this time of just surrender, Father, that you would push us more and more to yearn for you. That you would always allow us to remember that you bought us a very steep price. You sent your son to be that sacrifice. That when Tetelestai happened, that when he said it was finished, that a transaction was made. Just like in Hosea, that he bought Gomer out of that sin, out of that prostitution. Let us sacrifice and surrender all of ourselves to you. Let us pick up our own crosses and follow you. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray.